Hey guys, in today's podcast, we're talking about why Christian men are bored and more importantly, what God wants to do with you about it. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you about our family leadership program. This is a community of guys who are pushing each other to be the spiritual leaders of their home. If you're serious about leading your family well, then you must join our family leadership program. You can do that by going to dadtire.com forward slash lead. We only let 30 guys in a month. There's a wait list. So if you want to be part of that, make sure you join the wait list now by going to dadtire.com forward slash lead. Let's jump in. All right, so some of you guys probably knew this, but uh, a few months ago, I think I've talked about this. A few months ago, I was in Egypt. Um, I own a film company, and uh, we make kind of marketing videos and um, promo videos, highlight videos for companies. Um, anyway, we were in Egypt filming for a, a nonprofit, super cool organization called Touch of Love, Tolly. Um Touch of Love International, and they do they do micro loans for people all all around the world. Really, really cool company uh, organization, I should say. So we were there filming for them and highlighting all the stuff they're doing. And uh, when we got to Egypt, I had never been to Egypt before. Uh, when we got to Egypt, I didn't know this, but going in, I was actually pretty. Um, I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> I've been to some uh, quote unquote crazy places, but uh, Egypt was one that I was like, all right, I praying that I come home. I, d- I didn't know what to expect. Um, turns out that the people, the Egyptian people are amazing, so hospitable, just so kind. I'd never felt unsafe at all. It was it was really amazing. But when I got there, one thing that I learned is if you're a tourist group, um, this is what I was told. If you're a tourist group and you book your trip to Egypt with a tourist organization or through a travel agency or something, when you get there, you actually have to have a police escort. Apparently, there was some kind of agreement made back with our government and their government years ago that because their economy was kind of hurting, no Americans were going to Egypt. So one of the agreements was if if American groups are coming over to Egypt for tourism, uh, you have to provide police escorts for them. It's like a law there. I didn't know this going in. So we land and there's these police escorts with us the whole time uh, at our hotel, when we're shopping, when we're eating, when we're driving, they're escorting us around. When we walk around the city, they're with us the entire time. Which is cool. We, uh, I think at first when we got there, they were really skeptical of us. Uh, and by the end, I think they just saw the love of Jesus, frankly, in us, in our, in our group. Uh, it was really cool. They became good friends. So we, I have a, this great picture of all these Egyptian police officers that were kind of guarding us throughout the week. And they've got their AK-47s and their gun stuff. They've got their arms around us, uh, big old smiles on their faces. So anyway, um, it was really, really interesting. But towards the end of the trip... Um, Layla and I have this like agreement that whenever one of us goes out of the country, instead of bringing home like little trinkets or like mugs or cups or magnets or something like we want to, we want to taste the food. Uh, we're kind of foodies and like, we want to taste specifically for Layla. She wants to try like the sweets, like tell me the Egyptian candies and cookies and like, what do they eat while they drink the tea and have coffee in the morning? Like what kind of little treats do they have? So this is our agreement is that we actually get these treats at what, in whatever country we have we're in. We come home, we sit down, we kind of have the family gather around the table and we eat these treats together. And the person who was gone shares about their trip. It's a really fun, like little tradition that we've created in our family. So anyway, while I'm, when I'm in Egypt, they have some great food, really good stuff. 
So my goal was to like the whole time I'm there, every time we would stop at like a gas station or a little market, I'm just like constantly grabbing more, this thing of cookies, this thing of chocolates, this thing of crackers. Like I'm just grabbing all kinds of treats. And it turns out like by the end of the trip, I have way more stuff than I can actually bring home. And uh, so at the end of the trip, I'm like, okay, I, I don't have enough room for this. I need to figure out how to get a bag or a suitcase or something where I can carry all this stuff back home. I've overdone it. And so it's like one in the morning. We're four hours south of Cairo, the capital of Egypt. It's like this bustling city, young, a lot of young people around. It felt like it was still like nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to go like figure out a way to like find a backpack. So I go down to the hotel lobby. I act like I'm texting somebody or using the free Wi-Fi down in the lobby. And I'm trying to like kind of figure out a plan on how I'm going to sneak out the hotel past the guards. I didn't want police escorts with me to get like a bag for all my treats. It felt weird. I just wanted to like go out there and do it my own, on my own. So uh, as I'm sitting there, this giant group comes down from the hotel. They must have been like part of a wedding or some big party. And so they come down. There's probably like 20, 25 Egyptians, local people. So I just like get in the middle of their crowd, put down my baseball hat, and I just walk out the hotel with them. And I knew for, like, for sure, I'm like, I'm going to get caught. I'm the only white dude in here. Like, I'm for sure going to get picked out. Uh, and somehow, uh, I was able to sneak out of that hotel with right past the police officers. They didn't see me, or maybe they didn't, didn't care. I don't know. But somehow, I got away. And I'm like two blocks away from the hotel. My heart rate is going like soup huge adrenaline rush. I'm like super excited that I'm out. And then I have a little bit of a panic attack as I look around like, holy crud, what have I done? It's one in the morning. I'm in an Egyptian city by myself. I clearly stand out here. Like long story short, I was able to find some locals, uh, young people who spoke some English and they were able to empathize with me and help me find, or maybe sympathize with me and give me a backpack. And I was able to get home. But as I was, uh, up in the hotel that night after that whole excursion i'm laying there in bed and my heart is just like still racing i'm I'm on this like adrenaline rush and i just have this like kind of thought in my head like man i don't know if i actually was looking for a backpack or a suitcase or if i was using that as an excuse to find some kind of adventure like secretly something in me just wanted like something dangerous something adventurous something outside of my comfort zone and i started to think about like do I'm a 32 year old man, right? And I'm still like looking for adventure. And I started to wonder like, does that ever go away? Does you, does your like longing for adventure ever go away? I think all of us have it as humans, but I think especially as men, we have this deep sense of adventure inside of us. I'll be sitting in my living room and I'll look out the window and I can see my son and the other little boys in our neighborhood like they're always figuring out adventures, whether it's on their power wheels or climbing up in their tree or acting like pirates or Nerf gun fights. Like they're always have crazy imaginations and they're, they're just like looking and longing for adventure. And I'm wondering what I was wondering then in Egypt was like, does that go away? Like when you're in high school 
uh, part of one of the most adventurous things you can do is get your license, right? That's super adventurous. You're like, finally, you, you get the sense of independence. You're driving around by yourself for the first time. We all remember first time. I remember specifically the day that I went out and drove by myself on the freeway. Uh, I was like, holy cow, I do not feel ready for this. I can't believe they gave me a license. But it was amazing. It was this amazing adrenaline rush. Thank God I didn't kill anybody. Um, but we look back now as like guys in our 20s and 30s and like, oh my gosh, how did they give teenagers uh, licenses? Like that is so dangerous and not responsible. Uh, teenagers are so dumb. I was dumb. We all were dumb. Anyway, so that's a, it's a, there's an adrenaline rush, right? Like when we're in high school. And then when you get to college, if you went to college, I didn't go, but I imagine there's some <laughs> feeling of like independence. You're away from your family. You're like starting to make your own values. Maybe you're starting to experience some freedoms for the first time. And then you meet a woman, someone that you think you're going to marry. There's tons of adventure and like, holy cow, this is the one, this is the woman that I'm choosing to marry. Uh, this is going to be insane, right? And then you have kids, you get married. Uh, hopefully not the other reverse order. You get married, you have kids, uh, you get a house, which is really adventurous. You land that great job that maybe you feel like is going to be a career for decades. Uh, and then like, and then what, right? Like you, you You've gone through all the adventurous stuff. And I was trying to think like, okay, now that you're in like your late 20s, early 30s, now what do you do? Like you've done all the adventurous things that life has to offer. Like now what? You wait to retire? Like you're you're going to wait 30 years uh, so that you can like cash in your retirement and then like go golf? Right? <laughs> like what? what is the adventure? Like what's left? I think I don't know about like midlife crisis or all the crisis that men have. I don't know. I haven't experienced that yet. <laughs> Maybe I will. Um, but I am kind of wondering like when you're at what point is like, did your adventure go away? Did your longing for like adventurous things go away? And the truth is, I don't think so. I think that men still have a burning desire to like take risks, feel their heart rate go up, like takes, do something dangerous. Unfortunately, what I think is happening is they find that in really dumb and dangerous places. Uh, like pornography or having an affair or uh, gambling or addictions or drinking or working too hard or trying to climb the ladder at work, stuff that like anything, anything at all that's like, please, is there something that's going to give me this sense of like adventure, like where I'm, I'm going to do something, take a risk, like do something beyond myself. I personally think dudes specifically, especially desperately want that and we don't have it. And then we go to church, right? And we hear the pastor talk about like, man, God is redeeming the world. He's saving the world. This is the God of the universe. He wants to use you. Like you should see yourself on mission. And you kind of buy into that, right? Like if you're a Christian or maybe uh, you've been a new Christian or you've been a Christian for a while and you hear that, you're like, okay, yeah, like that sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe God does want to use me even in my brokenness and my, I'm kind of jacked up, but I guess God couldn't use me, can use me. And this is going to be amazing. Okay. Like the God of the universe, like wants to partner with me. This is going to be awesome. All right. Like, what do I do? Where do I sign up? And then they're like, great. Super glad that you want to sign up for this adventure. It's going to be crazy. Like you're, you're on, you're being used by God to see the God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is going to be amazing. Like, sweet, I'm pumped. Let's do it. Where do I go? Where do I sign up? What do I do? Like, awesome. Can you like greet people on Sundays or can you volunteer uh, to like shake hands or pass the communion plate or like set up chairs? And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. I can do that. Uh, is this the adventure though that we were talking about? Because it doesn't feel 
that adventurous. Um, and the crazy thing is like, that's the adventure that we're inviting men into. Like no wonder Christian Jews are bored. They don't want to go to church. Like this is, this is it. This is the grand plan that God called us to. This is the thing that God invited us into this crazy adventure that God calls us to. Like we're setting up chairs and passing communion plates and shaking hands. Like hear, hear me loud and clear. Some of you guys are going to hear that and like, bro, Jared, you're a jerk, dude. Like, you know that we need to do that, especially pastors. Every pastor is going to be like, Jared, don't tell people not to set up chairs. We need people. And we do like somebody's got to set up the chair. Somebody's got to go grab the coffee and refill it. Somebody's got to shake people's hands as they come in and pass the offering and communion plates. Like for sure, that all needs to happen. Absolutely. Keep doing it. But bro, like, can I just be honest and say that I think for most Christian men, like that's pretty boring. Like I'll do it. I'll serve. I'll show up and volunteer. But that doesn't feel like the adventure that God's called us to. I remember feeling this deep sense in my spirit there. I went through this season of life where I was like, man, God has to be, if we really believe we're serving the God of the universe, who's always at work, he never sleeps. He's before time and after time. Like if this is truly the God that we say, like we, we always throw stuff out like, yeah, no, God's big. God's crazy. God's always doing amazing things, but we don't actually live like we believe that. But something just hit me in my spirit. Like, do I really believe this? Because if I do, we should be seeing some crazy stuff all the time. I love Francis Chan's analogy where he says, uh, imagine that you went around telling people that you had the basketball God living inside of you. This is especially a relevant analogy for anybody watching March Madness right now, right? Uh, Imagine that you went around and you told people that you have the basketball God in, in you. This is Francis Chan analogy. This is the way he says it. You go around, you're like telling everybody, imagine you just like show up to the local court. There's a, there's a, there's a park down the street from you. There's some dudes like playing some street ball or you go up to your local gym and you want to shoot some hoops, right? Some of those old dudes that like act like we still got it, but we ain't got it, but we try to act like we got it. But anyway, we go, we show up, there's all these young kids around and we're like, yeah, I actually have the, I have the basketball God living inside of me. Like there's a basketball God inside of me. They're like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, and you're like, no, for real. Like I, there's a basketball God and he lives in me. Like I, it's crazy. I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like there's a God basketball God. He's inside of me right now. You start saying that enough. People are going to start thinking that you're going to be like amazing. Like, all right, bro, here's the ball. Like get on the court. Let's see what you can do. Let's see what you're made of, man. And they hand you the ball and you get out there and you can't even make a layup. Like you shoot three jumpers in a row and you miss, right? Like you're trying to run up and down the court and you're getting exhausted like an old man. Pretty soon they're going to start to question really if you really got that basketball God living inside of you. You're going to be like, hey, bro, like it doesn't really seem like you have a basketball God in you because you look just like us. You're no better than we are. You're not doing anything different than we are. And sometimes, as Francis Chan would say, it's crazy that we tell God, we have the living God of the universe living inside of us. You start telling people that they're like, okay, like what's different about your life? Well, to show me something that's like different about your life. If you've got the God of the universe living inside of you, because frankly, your life looks a lot like mine. It doesn't look any different than the rest of the world, right? It can be really confusing. Here's what I think's happening. I think that there are guys who say that the God of the universe is living inside of them, frankly, are living lives that don't feel at all like the God of, li- of the universe is living inside of them. 
I think the churches, I think us as ministries, like we're, we're calling guys just to behave well and be more moral. And I think guys are bored. And so I think that there are many, many men who are looking for adventure in all kinds of places that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. I think men are bored. And frankly, bored men are really, really dangerous men. And bro, if that's you, like if you're in that season where it's just like, I'm bored, here's the thing. God is at work, man. God is at work. He's doing crazy things. Whether you see it or not, God is working all around you. He's working in your kids. He's working in your wife. He's working in all the neighbors that live next to you. He's working in every single one of your coworkers. Like God is moving and God wants you to be part of that. And bro, if you feel bored, here would be my suggestion to you, because I think there's a lot of men who are listening and like, all right, bro, like Jared, I'm bored. Like, what do I do? When was the last time you felt scared? You felt like God is calling you to something that you did something that's beyond your own capability. All throughout the scriptures, you see the word fear, not fear, not fear, not do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know why? You know why it's always in the scriptures? Because God calls us to some scary stuff, man. Like as soon as God shows up and says something, you're probably going to be afraid of what he's calling you to. When was the last time you felt scared when you felt like God was calling you to do something beyond yourself? beyond your own capabilities. Like if you feel comfortable right now and you're just like coasting in your walk with Jesus, you're probably not where God would call you to. What you should be hearing God say is, hey, this is scary, but don't be scared. I know this is scary, but don't be scared. Like I know this is, I'm calling you to something big here, but fear not, I'm with you. You can do this because my spirit lives inside of you. I'm going to empower you by the Holy Spirit to do things that are beyond you because I live in you and I do things that are greater than you, right? Like God should be calling you. He is calling you to bigger things and it should freak you out a little bit. If you're not freaked out by something right now, you're probably not where God wants you. I know that's a big statement. It's probably not true for everyone. It's a blanket statement. But for the most part, like you should be having a little bit of fear in your gut. Like, ah, I'm like, can I do this? Can I actually do what God's called me to do? Listen, a lot of the marriage problems that you're currently dealing with probably wouldn't feel like such a big deal if you and your wife and your family was doing something beyond yourself. Here's some practical things. Like, what if you guys said, uh, we're going to foster or adopt. Bro, like super freaky, like way beyond your capacity. I fostered. We fostered last year. It's hard. It's exhausting. It's emotionally taxing. But you know what? Me and my wife fought less because we were recognizing that God's using us for something bigger than ourselves. Maybe it's fostering. Maybe it's adopting. Maybe it's saying like, we're going to be serious about seeing ourselves as missionaries on this street. Like God has planted us on the street as a missionary for the sake of his kingdom and his good news and his redemption starting to overflow this street and this neighborhood. So what does it look like for us to step out of our comfort zone, to be a little bit scared, to buy some more food so that we can have people over, to buy extra bikes and scooters so the kids kids from the neighborhood can come over and be part of our family and our house becomes the house where everybody hangs out. Listen, exhausting, scary, sometimes annoying, super inconvenient, because your house is going to be a mess. People are going to track in mud. This just happened the other day. Our house has become the house because we can't foster anymore. So we're like, all right, how do we how do we continue to be used by God for something bigger than ourselves? Our house is going to be the house where we want everyone to come in. Bro, that's a, it's annoying. 
it like to have all of these kids in there. I literally just like vacuumed the whole house, and like seconds later, pe- kids are running in here with muddy feet. Right? It's beyond your capability, but you're like, man, okay. I can handle mud on the carpet because it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things and what God is doing. I want to be used by God outside my comfort zone. Maybe God is asking you to quit a job or to give a ridiculous amount of money or to move somewhere where you've been feeling like you should move, but you're you're not being obedient to moving. Maybe God's calling you to like move internationally so that you guys go serve somewhere. Maybe it's stepping up and it's like leading guys. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm actually, I've been in the church a long time. I feel like pretty mature in my faith. Obviously there's lots to learn, but I feel like God's really, uh, he's called me for a long time and I have a lot to teach. Like, bro, teach some other guys younger than you, or maybe spiritually younger than you. If they're not just their age isn't younger, but spiritually they're behind you, bro. Like get three guys and commit to going, having them in your house and watching, let them watch you be a disciple. Let them watch you be a father. Let them watch you be a husband and a man of God. We desperately need that in the church discipleship, like life on life, not a once a week meeting at Starbucks, but for you to invite men intentionally into your life and to say, I'm going to pour out everything God has shown me so that I can pass that on to you so that generations will be changed. Scary, sometimes inconvenient, doesn't fit inside a nice little neat box. It's going to be messy. But God, when is the last time you felt like God is calling you to something that scared you? Would you have the guts to pray, to say, God, I want to be scared for your glory. I want to see you work in miraculous ways. Listen, here's the truth. God can save and he can do and he is doing whatever God wants to do. This is his story, not ours. God will do whatever he wants to do. He will save whomever he wants to save. The Bible says that the rocks will cry out. If we don't worship, the rocks will. Like, listen, God does not need you. Sometimes when I invite my son to come do a project with me, it's not because I need him or because he has some crazy, freakish carpentry skills as a seven-year-old. No, he's seven. He doesn't really add a bunch of value when I'm building something or fixing something at the house, but I love for him to join me. Sometimes, this just happened the other day, he almost chops my hand off. But you know what? I love him being part of that. Listen, God doesn't need you, but he wants you to join in with him on things that are beyond you and even scary. Not because he needs you, but because he wants to be with you. And frankly, you'll probably end up trying to chop his hand off at some time, but God can handle it. And he actually brings, finds much joy in you working alongside of him and the redemption of the world. Bro, stop the podcast. I'm going to stop and start to pray, God, how would you use me beyond my own capacity? God, would you move me into scary territory for your glory? We're bored, man. We're bored men. And bored men are dangerous men, and we look for adventure in really dumb places. God has a much greater adventure for you. Listen, you want an adrenaline rush? Pray to God that he would use you to be something, part of something much bigger than yourself. He'll answer those kind of prayers. He's not answering prayers and like, God, make me rich, healthy, prosperous, all that nonsense. God wants to answer prayers that align with his, his will. And so ask God, God, I want to see your glory. I want to be used by you for the sake of your glory, your kingdom coming right here as it is in heaven. God, would you use me to be part of that? Would you show off your glory? God will take you on an adventure. I promise you that. Stop the podcast. Go do that. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.